0: Welcome to Varsity Club Podcast, joining us this week from a dark... Do you want to turn the light on, by the way? I'm I'm fine. Okay. we got enough light in here. Okay. Uh, We are in a no... uh, uh, I was going to say dimly lit, but the light isn't even on, so... (laughs) uh, Barely lit podcast recording studio that is still not soundproof, Gorman. Uh, Joining me this week, Jacob Padilla. First... This is your first time on the podcast this year, isn't it?
1: Uh, in 2019, yes, I believe so. Yeah, I
0: think we did I think Brandon the, the first week, and then yeah. we did Greg last week, and now it's your turn to come on the podcast.
1: It was the last time I was on the pre-Creighton one with Matt?
0: No, you've been on since then.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, I happened. Because yeah.
0: we did, was volleyball before or after the Creighton game? volleyball was after the yeah. game yeah
1: yeah oh that's right i forgot about that
0: i don't uh, hate you that much the,
1: also the 4 a.m you gosh,
0: <laughs> that was rough That i by the way i found out two weeks later on soundcloud it was set to private <laughs> so it's uh, people listen to it but they didn't listen to it until like two weeks after the fact so wow so what you know. happens when you record a podcast at 3 a.m
1: well, hopefully uh, by the time this one actually gets posted and this made, one will pu- not be private. made public that I will still be part of the team that you guys have not traded me yet.
0: Oh, yes. That was what I wanted to talk to you about first. Would you like to comment on speculation that you are on the trading block?
1: I'd just like to say that if anybody wants to come get me, I'm here.
0: <laughs> Sources are telling me that uh, we're offering up a, uh, a friendly high five <laughs> in exchange for your services. <laughs> There come is a on, basketball game. Low. Do what?
1: People, come on, buy low. Yeah. Come get me. Buy low. There
0: is a basketball game on Saturday. We're recording this on a Friday afternoon, so we're just going to hit heavy on hoops. I don't know. I, I don't think that we need to necessarily preview um, this Saturday game, but I do want to talk to you about what the hell is going on with basketball because everybody wants Tim gone. That Rutgers loss was terrible. What? I, I mean,. Like I said, this is the first time we've had you on in a while, so I just want to get your takes. What what is happening right now? You look at at their numbers and overall, they're still a top twenty-five defense. They're still a top fifty shooting team overall in in the country over the course of an entire yes. season. But when you look at their conference only numbers, it's awful. Like look at so I was looking at per one hundred possessions for the guys just over the course of the season. Palmer, Copeland, Watson, Roby—they're all like plus twenty. They're all they all have a plus twenty net rating. Then you look in conference per 100 possessions. Palmer's a net, a net negative. He's got a 107 defensive rating. Copeland is a positive. Roby's a positive, but he's got a 100 or a 101 defensive rating. Copeland's got a 107 defensive rating. Glenn Watson's a net negative. Nana Kenton is terrible. They're not playing Amir Harris. You wrote something about that, and we'll get to him in a second. But what is going on? What what has happened to this team since conference play began? Was this a situation where this team just looked so much better because of, I don't know, a weak schedule? Like, Creighton lost four games. Like, did we get – did we overhype that win too much? Like, what the hell is wrong with this team?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think even at the time, as we were going along, I was kind of hesitant about kind of going all in on just what – the non-conference meant because it was a good non-conference. It wasn't terrible and they did well in it, but they did not have any really good wins. Like right now, they've got a tier one win over Clemson, but Clemson is one and four in ACC play. And they, uh, for whatever reason, have kind of fallen apart after making that run through the tournament last year. Um. So that that's your best win of the non-conference. Well, there's still a quad one win. Yeah, that's still it's a gonna, one win. It's gonna hold up as a quad one win. Uh, I don't think they can fall far enough since it was a road game. But I think when you get into that room on Selection Sunday and you're putting up and uh, you bring up Clemson as a as a quality win as one of your best wins, I don't know how impressive that's gonna actually be when they see what the team is at the end of the season. And that's the same thing with Indiana now. Indiana's lost what five in a row or whatever it is. Um, they are struggling mightily. I think they've won like one out of their last five games or something like that. Um, so they're in a bad place right now. And th- those are your two quad one wins now. Right now is Indiana and Clemson, they have and neither five straight. Yeah, and neither one of those teams are playing well. So that kind of uh, and Creighton lost four in a row. Yes, and. Uh, Sorry to bring that up. I don't want to yeah. hurt your feelings. Oh, and even that, since it was a home game, it's only a quad two game. Yeah. Nebraska's, I think, so when I broke it down for the story, uh, as they're, they are, I think it's uh, two quad one, three quad two, mm-hmm. two quad three, and then four quad four. I put out their team sheet yesterday. Yeah. And, okay, I didn't see yours. I did not my own. But, uh, and one of those quad two wins is bordering on a quad three. So... It's not like they've got a stacked resume right now. They don't have any signature wins. Um, So they look good in the non-conference, and they played very well against their competition, which is why the numbers are so good. But I didn't think they necessarily proved a whole lot. I thought they did did in that Creighton game. But then you go and look at this Rutgers game, and Rutgers defended Nebraska quite a bit like Creighton did. Like they – I pulled some screen caps during that uh, – the, that big run, the that uh, Rutgers run made, that yeah, and has a
0: potential to break their season.
1: Yeah, and then down the stretch, whatever like they were playing, they were not respecting Nebraska, sh- Nebraska shooters whatsoever. They were playing way off guys in the passing lanes, uh, all the way in strong help the Nebraska didn't make them pay at all, like they did against Creighton. They didn't. They one, they didn't move the ball. They didn't make the reads they did it against Creighton, but they also didn't hit shots when they got the opportunity. So. <laughs> That they're just not playing well right now, and I think—I've mentioned this before, but teams kind of take on the personality um, or following the lead of their best players, and you look at what James Palmer Jr. has done in conference play, he's shooting 33.3% from the field.
0: I don't think there's any way to—he shoot. He has to play better.
1: Oh, 100%. Like, he's their best player, and he has not been good. And you look at that Rutgers game, down the stretch, tie game. Rutgers goes down. Nebraska forces a miss Palmer standing there on the weak side standing there watching the rebound as his man runs by him To knock the ball away from Copeland the ball goes back to Rutgers Rutgers scores And you go and on top of that he fouled him too So uh, the big guy missed the free throw, but so that's Palmer giving up a rebound Just by lack of effort Then go down on the other end they get the ball to Palmer, Palmer off a curl uh, Drives in the lane puts up a little floater background out Rutgers, and then he immediately fouls a guy in a two-point game with a minute 21 or whatever it was left foul them put them in the line hit both now it's a four-point game and that was basically game so that's your best player on back-to-back plays uh back-to-back possessions not making plays and that almost directly costs them the game there is uh they have nine guys that have played in at least 10 games this year
0: He is the only one of those nine guys that's shooting sub fifty percent effective field goal percentage. Yeah, that's not good. Wait, and and he had that stretch. So they he hit it was six of seven against Creighton. He hit like four of six against Oklahoma State, and in the game following, I think it was Cal State Fullerton that they played after that. He hit well. Since then, his his shooting has just dropped off a cliff. And there was there was a story, and I. Laughed at it when I saw it, but there was a story written during that stretch that was like Palmer has his three point shooting stroke back, and I'm like, mm. he's like the most streaky player in the Big Ten, so maybe don't write that yet. Let's see if he can come back down to earth a little bit. Yes. but the it, it's not even a regression to the mean. It's like he's worse than he was before. Yeah, and and it's not it's not that they're like you. It's not that he's taking good shots and missing them. He's not taking good shots. He's taking bad shots. He's either pulling up with dudes in his face or he's shooting. Off balance and he landing on one foot, like yeah. it's just he's got to be he's got to be so much more selective. He needs to attack more. He's so much better when he attacks the basket. And I mean, he's not a great shooter in general, but yeah. objective, like relatively speaking, he is better when he's going towards the basket. And he just it seems like he's not doing as much of that this year. Well,
1: and the, the he, in conference play though, even with that, he's shooting thirty five percent inside the arc. So even when he is driving, he's not creating good opportunities for himself. He's not getting the as many transition opportunities. He's just not getting the same kind of looks that made him so good during that 10-game stretch last year and so good for stretches this year. So what is the overlying issue? I... I... I that's... <laughs> I think there are multiple issues. I don't know if there's one overlying one. Um, so obviously the depth is one of the uh, one of the concerns, and I do think um, Miles has repeatedly said, yeah, he wants to try to get some other guys, and um, maybe uh, the fatigue plays a little a little bit into that, but he kind of says. Uh, he's doing what he has to at this point. To win I don't, buy that. These games. I don't, I don't I, buy that. I don't buy that. I was
0: on this from the, beginning of, from the beginning of the season when he was not using the bench. They would go on the road. The, it was the Texas Tech game. They went yeah. on the road, and they didn't use the bench at all. And I was like, you cannot do this this early in the season because then you're not going to be able to use them once you get into conference play because there's no confidence and there's no kind of rhythm with their game. And they don't have any kind of... Cohesion as a unit when you put the second unit on the floor. Like and that's what you're seeing now. You they can't they don't have a second unit. They can't play a second unit. Um what's his name? The kid that's out with the Achilles injury.
1: Uh Carrington Davis.
0: Carrington he he looked like he was gonna play a role for them and then they lost him. But at the same time, like he's not using Brady Hyman. You could use Brady Hyman more. He's not using Amir Harris. You wrote a story about this and I want to get your thoughts right. on it. He's not using Amir Harris and he should <laughs> Amir Harris is a plus ninety.
1: Yeah.
0: Net rating in conference play and he's not playing well. Nana Kenton has been bad on both ends of the floor in conference play and he's really the only guy that they're playing off the bench. I'm fine with Mr. Root Canal because he's he's playing decent, but this is just like this is an issue that you could see forming at the beginning of the season that they did not have a bench and he was not cultivating that bench yeah. early and now they're paying for it late and
1: like the fatigue of course you're going to have fatigue. You have your starters playing 38 minutes a game. Yes, and that's something like I was, you see it with coaches all the time. Um they're hesitant to play freshmen. They're I mean, they they get to see these practices. They get to see go over the fine tooth go over the comb with the fine tooth comb, knowing exactly what they want out uh, of these guys when they do get on the and you look at um Miles said on the Sports Nightly on Wednesday like uh, again, I think he said like three times now it has not happened, but he's got to get Brady back in there. Uh, but Hyman, so I, I I spelled it out, but like he he hasn't like he he's getting it. He had three fouls in two minutes. What uh, was it against Iowa? He uh, he got in, got in over the back immediately. I think in the Maryland game or one of the games, and then never saw him again. Played one minute. Like he's not playing well, and I'm not shocked. Um, because he wasn't, he shouldn't have been playing this year anyway. His last four games,
0: he's played two minutes, one minute, nine minutes
1: against Iowa, two minutes against Maryland. Yeah. Um, Well, he's a freshman. You cannot
0: do that. Okay. Yeah. So here, look at his game log. I I got it.
1: I got it. Here, uh, DNP against Rutgers. Michigan State played two minutes, no stats. Indiana played one minute over the back, was out uh, right immediately after that. Um, Did not play against Penn State. Nine minutes against Iowa, one assist, one foul. So, I mean, he played a little bit, didn't make an impact. Uh, Against Maryland, three fouls in two minutes, and that was it. So that's him in conference play since that Minnesota game where he went four for four and scored the nine points, grabbed five boards. Basically, well, but, all his conference production was in that one game.
0: I mean, you could you could go through this all season long. So, he plays 21 minutes in the opener. He plays 17 minutes against Southeast, Southeastern Louisiana. He plays 12 minutes against Seton Hall, 8 against Missouri State, doesn't play against Texas Tech, 12 against Western Illinois, 5-2 and two against Clemson and, and uh, Illinois, then the Minnesota game. Then he plays 9 against Creighton, 4 against Oklahoma State, 9 against Cal State Fullerton. Then he plays 26 minutes against Southwest Minnesota State, and then he's got nothing. Like, you can't— like this is you can't just keep especially with young players you can't put them in pull them out put them in pull them out. they've got to be able to develop some kind of rhythm and you do that in the non-conference play yes you don't yeah. you don't try to do that now because you can't use them now like you said he's not playing well he's got no flow to his game yeah. he has no chemistry with the players that he's on
1: the floor with yep like that's this is what happens when you don't use your bench early and and we're talking about it all through um and we're kind of seeing it play out now and he, uh, on the radio show, he mentioned need to get that production back. At this point, I don't even think you need production. I think you need minutes to buy those guys some time for rest so Copeland doesn't brick every shot down the stretch so Palmer isn't too tired to box out, all that kind of stuff. Because we're seeing sloppy, bad plays, guys not able to hit shots in the final minutes, and it costs them. And I, it's impossible for us to know how much fatigue plays into that versus... I mean, they they break shots from stretches a lot, so maybe that's just them. But well, they do it in the pregame during yeah, the run? Yeah, that too. But uh, so that's the issue. But I think like so on Amir Harrison, I don't think you need six points off the bench from him to play him. I I, I went back and watched his five minutes against Maryland uh, or against uh, Rutgers, and I thought he came out as a net positive in those minutes. He had the great sequence where he um, fought over screen, kept with the guy, kind of got his hand in there and forced a wild miss, then went out and ran the, the court and had that nice little reverse layup. That's something he can do. You get him in transition, you get him going to the rim, he, he can finish really well around the basket. We, we, we've seen that before in practice and uh, warm ups that kind of stuff. He's got that in his bag. Um, and then outside of that, I thought he played defense pretty well. He was neutral to positive on defense, um, even though he didn't record any other stats besides one defensive rebound. But uh, I thought he defended his man well, did well within the team' scheme. Offensively, um, they I, I was kind of paying close attention to, to see if are they playing way off him. Do they have they identified him as a non-shooter? Have they given him the Andre Robertson. Approach? Yeah. Exactly. No, they didn't. They played him straight up. Um, He never got in the way. He moved the ball once or twice. He kind of flowed within what they're doing. He crashed a glass once. Um, He had a chance to get a board, except the shot actually went in. So um, I thought he was fine in his five minutes. Then he had the one bad play where um, they were in scramble mode in transition defense. Um, He retreated to the paint, then tried to close back out to his man. Bad close out, got blown by, and then gave up the and one dunk. That's the one bad play he made. He uh, got pulled from that. And we never saw him again. So, ended up being a net zero in that time. So, um, they scored, they made a nice, he was in there for the tail end of that run that started, that made the 31 18 lead. And then he was in there for the start of the 15 0 run before they pulled him. So, ended up being a net uh, net neutral in that game. So, and then we didn't see him again in the second half. I, I know, Miles has talked about it. he's trying to work his way back in, he's still underweight. Um, I understand that, but I don't understand why that—if he can play in the first half, why can't he play in the second half? And he he has not logged a single second of second half action since he got back from uh, being sick. Well, I can see a little little bit of that being conditioning and getting—he was out for, like, what, a week and well, a and half that's with what, mono? But, like, so, I yeah. had the
0: flu for, like, three days, and I didn't need anything. Like you, I can ima- and, and I'm not in shape in the first place. Like, I can imagine him being a that, little out of shape.
1: I'm saying you you can't play two three minutes in the second half after you get the so you only play two three minutes five minutes at most in the first half then you get halftime to sit out then you're not starting the second half so you can't get him in there in the what the the twelve to ten minute range somewhere to spell Palmer or some Palmer played the only time he checked out in that that last Rutgers game is when he fouled out in the final minute he goes down as playing forty minutes so that. I, that can't I, happen. Yeah. I I understand. Like, you. So as a coach, you're trying to do everything you can to win the game that you're in. You're not really in the heat of the moment. You're not thinking long-term. But I just can't help but think, like, if you're willing to take a mistake here or there and let them play through it, I don't think it's going to be a massive net negative for the team that because you played those guys, you're going to lose it versus – Having not played them,
0: well, here's here's the issue that they're in, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna sound like a broken record player um, in a second because I kind of am, but like so they're they're in a, because of the situation that Miles is in. He's got to win every single game that he plays, otherwise, like when they lose, Twitter goes up in flames, and like people are calling for his job, and uh, you know there there are questions about his relationship with Bill Moose even after wins on the road. So, so like they they have to win. So he feels like he has to play his best guys, and like, they're in a situation where, you know you're on the road against a bad Rutgers team, and you have people saying, "Well, it's not a must win, but it's a "You can't lose this game." Like like it's Rutgers. like we, th- there shouldn't be that much pressure on the game. but so you you mentioned the Quad one wins. they're two and five. In Q one games so far, but yes. they've got seven left on the schedule. Yes. So they have games down the stretch that they have that are must wins, that are becoming must wins because of the way that they're playing right now, and the fact that teams that they have beaten that looked like good wins are now becoming not so good wins, and they've got to get some signatures on the resume. Yeah. So they've got to win. Like they've got at Michigan, at Michigan State, Iowa the- to close the season. Those are the last three games of their season. Those games are so crucial if you're playing james palmer jr 40 minutes in january what is, what is he going to look yeah. like when you get into the first week of march he's going to be dead yeah like all four of them are going to be dead and this is what i mean this is why like you've got to use the bench earlier so that you can use the bench now you've got to be i think you're exactly right you've got to be willing to just throw some guys out there and just see what sticks and
1: I mean, not having a bench not having options on that bench that he feels he can use that goes back to another problem with the program And it has been acquisition, retention, and development of talent. Okay, that was my other question. Is this an issue
0: with development? Is this an issue with evaluation? Is this an issue with whatever a guy's not liking being here? Like, what? Where do you do you?
1: Is it all three of those things, or is it one of them? I think it's probably a little bit of all three because it's so tough to judge. Because you look at Michael Jacobson right now, you look. When he was at Nebraska, he looked like an evaluation miss. Shooting under forty percent from the field at six eight six nine, you, he he leaves, goes somewhere else, spends a redshirt year in Ames, and now he's uh, a starting for Iowa State and playing very well. Um, so that that's kind of the and that's something that I had brought up to me this week as well. I was kind of looking at that too. This
0: season, he's at thirteen points a game, six point four boards. He's shooting. <laughs> What do you think he's shooting from the field? Just take a guess. 54%. 58.9. He's 65% inside the arc, and he's at 34% on about two attempts a game from three.
1: Yeah, he was shooting much – he was shooting – he wasn't hitting any of his jump shots really at Nebraska outside of one every, like, four games, and he wasn't finishing either. He was shooting under 40% from two, I think, um, at one point in Nebraska. So you go from almost doubling your your two-point percentage –
0: He's um, not that, turning the ball over. He's that, not fouling a ton. A quarter of his shots are coming from three-point range, and he gets to the free throw line four times a game. Yes. And that would be so helpful right now. <laughs> yeah.
1: You, Matt, like he's, but the problem is, he would he be that guy if he had stuck around? Probably not. And that kind of goes back to the issue now. So you've got Palmer, or sorry, you've got um, Jacobson. You've got Ed Morrow who left. You've got Dryer Horn who left, and I think I didn't necessarily think he was a Big Ten player. The more I saw him, anyway, I think Tulsa is a decent spot for him, and he's playing fairly well right now. But that's another guy that you identified that could help your program, that ended up not. He chose to leave.
0: I know you weren't a big fan of him, but would you, I think Jordy Shamanga would help this team? There's yeah, a rebounding just issue. Another body. They don't have a big. Uh,
1: but again, how would he have developed? And that's. I don't necessarily know how much of Jordy's lack of development you can put on Nebraska because he is what he is, and you've got to be receptive to coaching and hard work to get better. But that I mean, you you throw them all into the mix um, is guys that have left, guys that have not necessarily worked out, and now you're left with having to play all freshmen and sophomores outside of uh, Tanner Borcard who. Where would this program be if they had not – if he had not showed up to that walk-on trial? If he had not showed uh, up to that walk-on trial three, four years they'd ago have, – They'd have to play Nana Kenton at the five. If he had not come back after he quit his, uh, after his for, first year, where would they be right now? Like obviously they probably would have gotten somebody else, but like – Well, Brady Hyman could, would be playing more. You could have gotten somebody – yeah, that, that's, that's not a <laughs> solution. Uh, so it just goes back to kind of the overall, like, yes, this is their most talented roster. This is kind of the year that they were building up to with getting these transfers in with getting uh, a couple of these high school guys like Roby and Thomas Allen, but also you weren't able to build up the rest of the roster around them as we were getting here. So that kind of leaves you in the hole that you're in right now. So we've kind of danced around this pretty much the entire podcast. But all of these
0: issues, they all point to one chair, pretty much. Yeah. Um, we had a question in the mailbag. Um, and I, I, kept which, I, <laughs> yeah. I kept many I was going to say, which one? So the story on Amir Harris that you wrote for the website, we've yeah. talked about it several times. Go read it. It's on Um I'll link to it on the, the site so you can find it easily. Um, we had a question in the mailbag this week that was basically like, is this the best it's going to get for Nebraska? Should Nebraska expect to be a decent basketball program or should they just be fine? Should Should Nebraska just be fine with a couple upsets every year and kind of being in that conversation of, well, will they be a tournament team? Will they not be a tournament team? Like, is this the best it's going to get? And my answer essentially was like, I I mean, Nebraska faces a ton of recruiting challenges as a athletic program in general. I think those are compounded in basketball because of how difficult it is for, non-blue blue blood programs to recruit in college basketball, especially if you don't want to cheat. But at the same time, like, that's not a crutch that you can use. That's not an excuse that you can use to just be like, ah, oh, we're just going to have a mediocre basketball program. Like, Brandon Vogel made a couple good points. Like, there are other Power 5 schools that are not high-level basketball programs that are better than what Nebraska is right now, that are making the tournament, you know, every other season or every couple seasons. And, like, yes, this is a football school, but look at Kansas State. Kansas state is also a football school and they have a basketball team that consistently competes for the NCAA tournament. Like this is, well, so I mean, like what
1: is that? What is that? What does that, that come? What does that say? I guess yeah. so
0: for, it, you need a good coach, I guess is what we're coming yeah, towards. Forget
1: all that. You look at what the program is right now. How far off is it from being a really good tournament team? Not very far. You do a couple things a little bit better with this very same personnel that they have right now, and they're exactly what a lot of people thought they were coming into the year. What are those couple things?
0: Is that those couple? Because to me, those couple things are one thing: run an offensive system that actually makes sense.
1: what and be able to knock down shots a little bit better. That's the skill development. Yes, the the shot selection is a huge part of that. Um, so just kind of the overall offensive development of the team
0: do you agree with me that they need to play uh four out and run through roby in the post or are you against me on that
1: uh it depends um miles even said he'd like so he had a caller call in and asked like when teams are going on these runs like do you have a, a play or something that you can go to to and he mentioned that he'd like to see them get a post touch a little bit more here and there and that would whether that's uh copeland or roby um, it shouldn't be Palmer. We've seen that. But the post <laughs> is not somewhere that he does well at. Um, but
0: No, both of their bigs are so, floor spacers. Both of their bigs are capable passers, and both of their bigs make their right play when they have to make the right play. I don't put them on the block and run your four guys around them.
1: Yeah, and it it depends. you have the personnel to do that. Yeah, it's got to be the matchups too. Though, like Roby's a good post player at times, but he's um like if he's guarding a, a true five, he's gonna have uh, problems. And that's when that you put Copeland and, in there. Yeah. Um. But so we we thought um, we talked a little bit ago. Um, I talked to Schmitty on the radio about this too, and um, like, all right, hey, Roby's starting to put it together now. Here it comes. The two of the best games of his career are back-to-back. 17 points against Iowa, then 22 and 11 boards against Penn State. Like, all right, is he putting it together? Following games. Nine points on nine shots. Six points on eight shots. Six points on six shots. Four or five fouls in all three of those games. So, right back to where he was before. So, like, he's... Yes you want to get him more touches in the post You want to get him more involved But he's got to do better with his opportunities Like He can't play like he's played the last three Especially after he showed what he's capable of In the two games before that And that goes back to all of these guys Copeland's been pretty um, solid overall Like consistent um, But Watson's streaky Palmer's streaky Roby's streaky That's three of your four best players right there So Nebraska's streaky
0: I think Watson was, was great to begin the season, and he's kind of cooled a little bit.
1: Yeah, it because yeah, even in conference, um, he's shooting pretty well. I mean, like he's as small as he is in the shots he takes. He's not going to shoot over 50% from two, but 49 on twos, 38 on threes. He
0: makes plays when they need him to make plays, I think is the best way to describe the way that he's playing this season.
1: But in conference play, he's down to 3.3 assists at 2.3 turnovers and earlier in the year, so overall— He is at um, 3.8 assists now and and 1.6 turnovers. So his assists are down. His turnovers are up in conference play from where they were in the non-conference.
0: I think his assist numbers, watching them more, are a product of the way that they play. He doesn't have the ball in his hands enough to to really be – like he's not – they don't use him the way that, say, Michigan State uses Cassius Winston. Like Cassius Winston dominates the ball and dominates possessions and sets things up. Glenn Watson doesn't do that.
1: Yeah. um, Well, and part of that too is like he's – all their guards, they've got to be better. When they do use ball screen actions, get better at using the screens. God.
0: Do you know the, how many times they have a ball screen and the guy either slips the screen or rolls off the screen and he's wide open and they don't make the pass?
1: Or— All the time. Or the guy goes to set the screen and he comes off it wide enough to let the defender slide yep. right over the top so it does no, nothing. Yep. That's like—they are so bad at running the, the, that p- those pick-and-roll actions because they just don't execute the little things on both sides, is the ball handler and the screener, both. And it's so easy to um, to shut down Nebraska's pick and rolls because they don't, like I said, they don't execute the little things.
0: Again, we're skirting around what seems to be the main issue with the team coaching. Yeah, does this team need to make a coaching change?
1: Um, I <laughs> I'm not going to say they do. It, it's all so right now. Kind of what I've said it's it's entirely in Miles' hands right now. How. How the season close? There's still plenty of th- time for them to get things back on track and to accomplish what they wanted to accomplish. Like you mentioned, seven quad one opportunities left. They get some of those wins. They they turn things around. They, But I wrote it to get, today in my padding stats. They've got to improve. They've got to make some of the changes um, to the issues that are causing them problems that we've seen in the last few years, basically everything we've talked about today, the depth, the shot selection, all that stuff, the skill development, making sure they can actually hit the shots when they do get good ones. All that stuff has to improve. It has to. Because if you keep playing, the way they're playing now resulted in 2-5 and five in their first seven quad one opportunities. You cannot go 2-5 and five again, or I don't think there's any way he's still here. So it's entirely in his and his players' control with the way they close this season.
0: So here's... Here, like, they could go – they've got seven left. Four of them are at home, three of them are on the road. They could go four and three in those games. Let's say they go three and one at home and they win one on the road. Like, you're six and eight in Q1 games. Like, I think they're they're getting into the tournament. Yes. I don't think – I. and I don't like advocating for coaches to get fired. Yeah. I don't like it when coaches get fired. I don't like it when guys lose jobs. I like Tim Miles. I think he's a good person. I The team likes him, I think. <laughs> like, if they liked him a little bit more, maybe they would be playing a little bit better um they play good defense you know they play the style of defense you need to play to win um and he you know the starting he's built a good starting lineup and he's structured things around that that starting five and thomas allen is a guy we haven't talked about and i think they've done a good job of developing him a little bit at the same time i think we're reaching a point where they might get into the tournament and that might not be enough like, like, just a tournament appearance might not be enough for him to save the job. It might be—we we might be reaching a point where they have to win a game in the NCAA tournament. Otherwise, he's looking elsewhere.
1: Yeah, and especially if you kind of skate into the tournament and then look bad uh, once you're there. Kind of like if they, they play like they did they last what year. in the NIT yeah, last year. exactly. If you— uh, if you kind of and miles even mentioned he thought um the players in that they kind of like they they basically thought the season was over they didn't care about the n.i.t and that's which is so bad they they said that they were angry about it but yeah exactly you would think that you'd be out to uh prove a point and um a lot of time you you play well in the n.i.t it does kind of Give you some momentum heading into the off season, heading into the next season. We've seen a lot of times where NIT winners or deep runs in the NIT that team makes a tournament next year when those guys come back. Did um, Penn? How far did Penn State go in the NIT? Did they win it, or did they go to the semis? The one of those two for sure. They went. Uh, I they, they went won, deep. I, I know that because it. they cared about it. Yeah. Like, here's
0: and, here's another here's another issue I have with these guys, and this is not Miles. This is the players. They talk all the time about how angry they are, how mad they are after losses, and then their play on the court does not match the talk. Yes. Like, this happened after the, the Maryland loss, and they went out and they looked completely disinterested against Iowa yeah. and didn't, didn't guard in transition, didn't hit shots, didn't run offense or whatever. The NIT, before that game, they were like, yeah, we're mad. We're we'll out to prove a point. We're we'll out to prove that they, you know— disrespected us or whatever the hell they said. And then they come out and they just look flat against Mississippi State and get blown off the floor. Yeah. Like, that, like the the talk does not match the play on the court.
1: Yes. So, in almost
0: every single game except for the Creighton game.
1: Yeah, so I think the optics will play into it as much as anything else. How does it look like you're playing at that time? If they lose on a buzzer beater in a well, well-fought game in like an 8-9 matchup or something like that, I— it, it's a. I don't think it, it matters. It's a tough call. I don't think it matters. I, I, thing is, I don't. He's in that kind of gray area where there's no obvious like. It's not obvious that you can upgrade on him, but you also don't feel satisfied with what he's done. So it's you're kind of. Um, I guess it depends on how confident Moose is in his ability to to lure who he wants to Lincoln. And that's something that we have we can't know.
0: I think Moose is pretty confident. I Here's one thing that, that nobody has talked about that could end up becoming a factor or could end up coming into play. What if we get to the end of the season, let's say they make the tournament but they don't win a game. What if Miles is sick of this? He's like, I'm going to go someplace else. He gets a job offer at a different school and he leaves.
1: And that is actually, I have heard people talk about that. Um, at at points i uh, wonder if that is in in the cards potentially and i wouldn't be shocked by it i guess it it all comes down to the circumstance and who's looking around and what opportunities there are out there i mean it's at a power power conference uh high major program like nebraska I mean, it's obviously not one of the best jobs but you've got really good facilities um you've got good fan support like it's it's not a job that you necessarily just want to walk away from, but if it's getting to the point where it's just not, not not good place for you. What what's, I guess, what is the opportunity that you're taking to walk away from that versus getting fired and getting your full, getting your full contract and um, all that kind of stuff. And then, so I, I don't know. It's, there's so much um, like to, to get another job, he'd have to, close the season strong as well, I would think. Like, you're not going to – if you limp into the, the end of the season, I don't necessarily who's going to be wanting to hire him. So, it, it I think, it like I said, it's all – everything that happens from here on out is in Miles and those seniors' hands, basically.
0: So, they started 11-2. and two. They have lost four of their last six games. We got to Ohio State on Saturday at noon. Suits and sneakers for coaches versus cancer. I'm breaking out the Jordans for that game. Is that game – a must-win for Nebraska.
1: All right, so yes, it is. I so I think you look at these next four games, and they basically need to win all four of them because that would include two quad one home wins. You got Ohio State, then you got Wisconsin, you got at Illinois, and at and versus Maryland. So you can't afford to lose the Ohio State and the Illinois games. Ohio State is heading the wrong direction. They're struggling right now. I think they just lost a guy to injury. So they're not in a good place they have kind of regression has hit that team um like a brick wall they have lost five straight man. yeah so that's a game that you cannot lose on your home court Wisconsin and Maryland those are good teams you almost beat Maryland on their court um so you should be able to beat them at home you get those those are two quad if you miss out on either one of those quad wins then you're talking you have to you have to take one from Michigan or Michigan state no matter what because at this point, I think you can still lose to both Michigan and Michigan State and get enough quality to make the tournament and get a decent seed. But not if you keep losing games. Like it's got to be the accumulation of all these kind of tier two. not ne- Tier two as in good wins, but not great wins. Not necessarily a quadrant I'm talking here. but So Wisconsin, Maryland, um, you, you at least split with Purdue. Um, you got two games against them. I think you, you split with them. Um, you beat Minnesota, you take care of business against Northwestern, Penn State, uh, and then I think you win at Iowa, you can get in the tournament without while still losing to both. So basically, if at Purdue, at Michigan, at Michigan State, you lose all three of those, you win the rest, I think they're fine. But any more of those other ones that you start losing, then I think you're going to have to steal one of those games that uh, that is going to be really tough. Yep. So that's kind of... It's kind of my breakdown of the rest of the season. There's still a lot still a lot of ways that this can go, so it'll be interesting to kind of be along for the ride and see where they take us. Yeah,
0: there's still a lot. To, I mean, the way that their schedule is set up and the way that the Big Ten has has set up, like, I mean, there's like an entire season left to play.
1: Can you believe, like, have you seen this kind of a turnaround in conference, uh, this kind of perception and uh, overall ability from so bad last year that your fourth place team couldn't even make the tournament to this year where they're talking 10 teams have a chance to qualify i think it was maybe a little bit
0: expected because you know everybody was just so shocked that the conference was down last year i think it was just like okay well it's it's just a bad year a couple bad breaks teams are young teams will get better yeah i, I, I mean I, I think teams are just really really good
1: yeah i don't think there was any reason for them to be as bad as they were last year um pack 12 this year on the other hand Yikes. We don't have to talk about that. Yeah, the Pac-12 we're not gonna ever. talk about that. I think I think that that that's good. For now. The
0: Pac twelve does not need to be a power conference. <laughs> don't get me started on that. I have won't. you heard my uh, college football conference realignment take? I don't think I have. Just blast but. the Pac twelve into the sun. <laughs> Just dissolve the league altogether and have four super, sixteen team super conferences. That's what I think should happen. Then you have an eighteen playoff with Four automatic bids for the the league, the Power League champions, and then you've got uh, you've got one automatic bid for the best G five or whatever they're called team, and then you've got three at larges.
1: Why are we blasting Washington and Oregon? Because the Pac twelve sucks. At, with while Rutgers gets to stay,
0: but I, we, you put those teams into the power conferences. <laughs> but like, I don't, I don't need Arizona
1: State <laughs> in a power. Like,
0: what? Okay, what happens if like? A seven and five Arizona State team wins the Pac-12, and then suddenly, like, oh hey, they're an automatic qualifier for an 18 college football playoff, and they get there. We get a live murder on national television.
1: Nobody wants that. Think of the children, Jacob. Nobody wants that. Uh, I'm sure the Pac-12 would be okay with that. I mean, as long as they get cut of the. Feel pie. free to call me if they're <laughs> upset.
0: I don't care. My DM me on Twitter. My email is in my Twitter account. So do that.
1: All right. We said we weren't going to talk about college football on this. So I think we... I said nothing like that.
0: (laughs) I just said we were going to talk heavy on basketball. We'll have coverage on com throughout the weekend. There will be men's basketball on Saturday. Uh, I think that's it. We'll have baseball coverage. Um, There's a baseball availability Friday afternoon. So we'll have a little bit of baseball coverage on that.
1: I'll uh, have a little uh, high school basketball stuff. Uh, the two Husker commits are uh, squaring off on Saturday after the Nebraska game. So if any Husker fans are out there, you uh, get done uh, at the Huskers game and want to watch some more basketball, head over to Lincoln North Star at 530 to watch Donovan Williams and the Navigators take on a cola Rope and Creighton an Prep. I'll
0: tell you this. If they lose to Ohio State, ain't nobody caring about basketball <laughs> in this state anymore.
1: Well, no, because then it's going to be a long time before people care about basketball. Then the again. future is all you have to care about, so you might no. as well go. <laughs>
0: no, Nope. that's not how it works. <laughs> just, just, just watch. If they lose this game to Ohio State, like it's going to be bad. <laughs> I would agree with that. We'll have coverage through the weekend, so just keep it with Hellvarcy.com. We'll be back next week with. Uh, I think we'll have Greg Smith on to talk recruiting as the national signing date, like the late signing period is coming up like it's still called the Nationals but it's the late signing period Uh, we'll have him on next week to talk about that and we'll we'll, I guess we'll have you back at some point this year maybe probably have to because basketball will probably be in the tournament I guess we'll have to bring you back so Uh, thanks for listening guys Jacob thank you for coming on the podcast and taking shots on my thunder I
1: appreciate it it's always fun and we'll talk to you guys next week thanks guys